Well, hello, everyone. I know I just said, luckily, I get to be behind the camera, and now I'm up here again. So um, welcome here, and I hope you enjoy the rest of our service today. I'm actually going to unplug this. Is it okay if I unplug this? Awesome. This was in my way last time, so I'll get rid of this, put it down here. Awesome. So thank you for um, being here today, and I'm really hoping my voice will hold out. I was singing the song, Battle Belongs, on the way, like the, the song we sang first. I was singing that on the way to church this morning. Me and Esther were belting that out, and then we sang it here again today, and I got to sing it twice now, well, three times today, so my voice is, yeah, going through some stuff, and then Ike made me get teary-eyed, and now I'm a mess. So, like I said again, thank you for being here. And yeah, so last week, Pastor Peter did a great job of walking us through what it means to lament during these times, what it means to lament during all of this, and to be really honest with ourselves, how we're feeling. And, and many of us, like, this is uncharted territory. We're in a, in a place where we don't even know what words to say, how to express ourselves, and, and what exactly to feel. And that's why last week I think that was needed, just to lament, to, to process this. And today I want to switch gears, change things up a little bit, and by a little bit I mean a lot. And we're going to be talking about joy talking about joy today. And lamenting is crucial because it's something that we needed to do to cope with this chaos. And just like we had to lament, I think we have to look for joy. We have to look for joy during these times. We have to find ways to be thankful, just to find joy in all of this, to change our perspective in the midst of everything going on. Joy is something that we long for. It is a gift from God, it is a fruit of the Spirit. And the root word of joy in Greek is kara, which means delight, rejoice, glee, and gladness. And joy is also a feeling. It's, it's an emotion that happens like instantly. And it's not just something that you can kind of like think like, okay, I'm going to be joyful now. Like it's, it's an instant thing. And so the example that I want to give is, so imagine if, if I was driving, and I'll imagine this myself, if I'm driving after the service and listening to the radio and all of a sudden out of nowhere, a breaking news comes on the radio and it says, breaking news, McDonald's is giving away free ice cream today. And that would never be breaking news because it's not that big of a deal. But for me, I love ice cream. So I'm like, what? So obviously I would be, I'd be like, okay, this is awesome. But I wouldn't take time like, okay, I do like ice cream. My mouth is kind of dry right now from talking. And ice cream cone would do amazing things and I love it. You know what? I'm going to be joyful right now. Yes, I'm joyful. No, it does not happen like that. It is an immediate feeling. Just like also if you are lactose intolerant, you hear that same announcement, you're thinking, if I eat that ice cream, I'm going to have an immediate feeling. Same kind of thing. And another way would be like anger. So say you're driving home from this and you hear this amazing McDonald's announcement and you're distracted, but someone cuts you off. And immediately you think, you know what, that was a close call. Almost took off my bumper. That could have been really bad. I should probably lay on my horn and shake my fist profusely at them right now. Like, no, it's, it's an immediate thing. And if you had that much time to think through all that stuff, you probably would not be honking your horn and shaking your fist. It's, it's an immediate thing. And these feelings, this fruit of the Spirit joy, it happens immediately. And it's not by our own doing, it's by the gift of, from the Spirit and to see the beauty of Christ. As Psalm 31, 11 says, rejoice in the Lord, our, rejoice, yeah, rejoice in the Lord. Our joy as believers comes from Christ. In order for us to be able to rejoice in the Lord, the Spirit gives us, or the Spirit allows us to open our hearts to see what God has done and just all that He is. Jesus says in John 16, 14, He will glorify me because it is from me that He will receive what He will make known to you. It's through the Spirit that we receive joy. And so with this understanding that the Spirit, or that, that joy is from the Spirit, um, how do we now find time to rejoice? 
How do we take this time? And the question I want to ask is, how do we find joy in the midst of chaos? How do we find joy right now? That's the question I want us to wrestle with. How do we find joy in the midst of everything going on? Before we go any further, let's, let's take some time to pray. God, we come before you today and just with this, this wrestling of where does our joy come from? Where does our frustrations come from, Lord? There's so many things going on in our head, in our minds, and, and maybe we just need to be still right now. Just to sit in quiet and just think of all that you do for us. Think of all that you have done, all that, you've got us, all that you have done to get us here today, Lord, and just the goodness that you constantly bring, Lord. We are broken, we are messy, we are, yeah, just full of emotion right now, Lord. So we pray that you would just calm our nerves, that you would calm our presence, and you would give us just peace as we sit and think and reminisce on you, Lord. Thank you for all you do. Thank you for your joy and the way that you bring us peace through all of this. Amen. Like I mentioned a moment ago, joy can't just be flipped on like a switch. It can't just happen like that. And suddenly, like, it doesn't work. So I think it's important for us that we need to keep in mind our perspective and the way that we live in finding joy. Like it's stated in James 1, 2-4, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And when it comes to trials or hardships, typically the last thing I want to do is be joyful. I don't, I don't find joy in these hard times. I don't want to be in this circumstance. I don't want to sit in that chaos. But I believe it's in these times that we truly learn where our joy comes from. We truly learn to trust. And I think it's in these valleys that God opens our eyes to the bigger picture of things and the cir- that circumstances don't affect who God is. It doesn't affect his faithfulness, his goodness, and his promises. God is still good. Consider it pure joy. There's a story I want to spend some time looking at today, and it's found in Genesis 37. It's a story of Joseph, so maybe you are familiar with this story. So I'm going to do a quick overview and just kind of touch on, on little things. But if you have not read the story yourself, read the whole thing. It is awesome to see what all happens in this story. So in Genesis 37, we are given the account of Jacob's family line, and we are introduced to Joseph, who was the the youngest sibling of the brothers, and um, he was born to Jacob at an old age. And because of this, Jacob loved him more than the other sons. And you can kind of see where this is already going, where there's going to be some drama. And typically, the younger son gets that, that special treatment. Well, one day, Joseph shared an elaborate dream saying, we were, blo- we were binding she- uh, sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright, while the sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. The dream he illustrated was this idea that the brothers would bow down to him. The younger brother would be there, and all the older brothers would bow down to him. And shortly after this, Joseph shared another dream, and all of this made his brothers furious. And if you have siblings, you totally understand where they're going with this. Like just, how could the younger brother say this to us? I'm not going to bow down to him, that, that same frustration. But they went further and they plotted to kill him now. Out of this, that was their, that was their end result, plotting to kill him. But luckily, Joseph's one brother, Reuben, was able to convince them not to. So they just threw him in a cistern instead and they called it a day. Later on though, they realized that they could now make money off this opportunity. Instead of just throwing him in the cistern and leaving him there to die, now they could actually sell him. They could sell him and make money. So they sold him to Midianite merchants for 20 shekels. 
And the story continues on, and many more things happen to Joseph as he is framed to have um, slept with the official's wife, and because of this, he was then thrown into prison. And it seemed like one thing after another, Joseph experienced, it just got worse and worse and worse. And but, but in the end of the story, and I won't spoil too much, he ends up reconciling with his brothers, and he saves the day. And it's an awesome story. And that's just an extremely quick run-through of, of all that it is. But the reason I share this story is because I think we can learn a lot from how he dealt with all these circumstances, of how Joseph dealt with all these different things, and how he remained joyful, how he stood the test. And the first thing is, the Lord is with us. As we read through the story of Joseph, there are numerous times where we see the words, the Lord was with him. In Genesis 39, 2-5, it reads, The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of the Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and the Lord had given him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptians because of Joseph. And it was shortly after this, that that his recent success, that Joseph was framed by Potiphar and thrown into prison. And again we see in Genesis 39, 20, but while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. And what we can take away, from, take away from this is that the Lord is with us not only in our times that we're prospering, but he is also with us when we were hurting, when we were in pain, and when we were in our darkest times. And this isn't new knowledge for us, but it's something that we need to remind ourselves of daily. The Lord is with us. The, the Lord is with you. God sent his son so we could have a relationship with him. Philippians 2, 6-8 says, Who being in very nature, hum- or very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in an appearance of man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. And after Jesus' death and resurrection, God sent the Holy Spirit to be among us. We might be feeling alone. We might be feeling like we have nothing left in the tank. But God is with us. Emmanuel, God with us. And in the midst of the chaos, God is with us. Like Moses said when he was speaking to, the, to Israel, be strong, be courageous, do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God is with you and he will never leave you or forsake you. God with you. And when we, are, when we have nowhere left to turn, when our ideas, our resources have just evaporated, when we have no control over the situation, and it's just in shambles, God is still there. When our knees ache from kneeling in prayer, and not, not knowing if anyone's even listening, God is still there. When, we laugh, when people laugh at us and mock us for our faith, God is with us. When we don't know if we can make it another day, God is still with us. And when the enemy is whispering in our ear that we should give up, God is still with us in the midst of all of that. And just hearing this over and over again, that God is with us in the midst of all this chaos, that is, that is enough joy just to get me through that day, that God is still with us in the midst of all of this. But we still have a lot to take away from Joseph's story. Joseph had experienced many hardships um, since the day that he was thrown into the cistern, up until the point that he was placed in charge of Egypt. And I can't help but think Joseph needed to learn these things. He needed to go through all of this so he could learn and just prepare for what was in store for him. And we all have our own stories. We all have our own past, the things that we've wrestled with, the things that we've tried to conquer, and maybe we're battling with things right now in our own life. We all have our own things that we're going through. And when we are in the midst of those hard times, 
It's difficult to find the joy. Believe me, it's hard to find the joy in those times. But once we are no longer in those valleys, all of a sudden we can see that finished product. We can see that finished product of what all happened, and we can find joy in the circumstances. And if you haven't done this yet, I would encourage you to do so. Um, But at the beginning of this year, we kind of ran into a pandemic and experienced all this stuff. And so last week, Esther and I took time to reminisce and think about all the things that made us joyful. It wasn't on purpose, it just happened accidentally, but we, we thought about all these things that brought us joy. So if you haven't done this, I encourage you to do so. But we were driving, and all of a sudden we're like, do you remember all those drives that we took? We would just get in the car, we'd pick up a coffee, and we would just drive. Drive up until the point that our bladder told us to turn around, because there's no bathroom, so you have to, you have to turn around at some point. And we would just drive. Yesterday we drove by Taco Bell, and we thought, wow, we ate way too much Taco Bell during this time, but that was joyful. Uh, well, at least it kind of was joyful. Um, and this, I asked this question in the first service, and I was uh, very disappointed that no more, no more hands came up. But how many of you did puzzles during the pandemic? How many of you did puzzles during to keep your... Okay, awesome. There's three hands in the first service. This is much better. So we found joy in puzzles. Puzzles. As crazy as it sounds, is it, like, puzzles gave us joy. And I remember something else that we did is we went biking. It was cold outside. It was freezing, but we just bundled up hopped on our bikes, we went biking around town. I'll never forget the one day we were biking around Leamington and we saw a whopping seven people. We hadn't seen people for weeks, it felt like, and we saw seven whole people in one day. Like, let me tell you, that, that in itself brought me so much joy. And if we wouldn't have been in those circumstances, we would have never found joy in those times. We would have never found joy in those little things. Paul and Peter give us words of encouragement when it comes to these situations, and I think we can learn a lot from them as Paul was in prison and and Peter was facing persecution. And starting with Paul, he writes in Philippians, and remember, he's writing this while being in prison. In Philippians 4, 4 4-7, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Again, we see that reminder that the Lord is with us. As Paul says, the Lord is near. And he says, rejoice always. Don't be anxious, which is something that I have to remind myself of daily. But in every situation, by prayer, petition, thanksgiving, present your request to God. Rejoicing always. We'll look different in all these situations, but regardless, Paul reminds us to rejoice through it all because God gives us understanding to all this. He gives us peace that passes all understanding. And hearing from Peter, in 1 Peter 1, 6-9, he says, In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come to so that the proven um, genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, salvation of your souls. Peter illustrates this truth and in trials, as he refers to a goldsmith. And golds, or no goldsmith would deliberately waste a piece of gold. He would not waste it by, by no means. He would take this piece of gold, he would put it in a smelting furnace long enough to remove all impurities. 
to get rid of all cheap impurities and different things and get rid of it all. So it's one clean piece of gold. And then from there, he would pour it into a, into a mold of some sort and create an article of value. And it has been said that Eastern goldsmiths kept metal, kept gold in furnaces long enough that they could see their own reflection in the gold. They would keep it in the furnace long enough that they could see their own reflection. And I can't help but see the resemblance here when I think about our own trials in life, our own hard times. If we turn to God in these lowest of lows, in these valleys, in these deserts, if we turn to God in these times, I believe that's when God does his best refining in us. And I believe that's often when our character, our attitude, and our personal life reflects him best. And obviously, if you're here today listening, and, or if you're, you're at home listening to this, I think that's what we all want. We all want to resemble Christ more. We want to reflect him more. And believe me, I don't wish for hard times, but I believe it's in these times that God does amazing works in us. But we don't enjoy the process. Like Ike mentioned, this Christmas might be good for our waistline, and I totally believe it, because we all want the abs. We all want those six-packs, but we don't want to do the work. We don't want to go through the process. We don't want that process, that refining process, but that is when God does his best work, I believe. And I was listening to a talk this past week, and I found comfort as the speaker shared from Hebrews, as he said in Hebrews 12, 1 to 2. Therefore, since you are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that, that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked before us, or marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And the part that I want to emphasize is halfway through verse 2, as it says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. For the joy set before him. Jesus didn't enjoy being on that cross. He didn't find joy in the pain. He didn't find joy being whipped, beaten, spat on. He didn't find joy in taking our place on the cross. He even asked God if there was another way, saying, Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. There was no joy for Jesus in that crucifixion, but there was joy set before him. Jesus found joy in what was yet to come. He found joy in the finished product of what was going to happen, in the end results of the hardship. And if you look at the life of Joseph, I'm sure we never expected the end result to be him reconciling with his family and, and saving the day and saving Egypt. But we serve a God who does immeasurably more than we could ever imagine. And right now, our trials, in this chaos, God is still working and doing amazing things. But I think we will see them once it's over. We will see all that God has done, all these amazing things. And one thing that we need to remember is joy isn't the absence of sadness. I'll say it again. Joy is not the absence of sadness. We can still be in the lowest of lows and still find joy. Because our joy doesn't come from earthly things. Our joy comes from Christ. We aren't promised amazing days. We aren't promised no pain, no sorrow. But we are promised salvation through Christ if we give our life to him. As 1 John 5.13 says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. As believers, we can find joy in what is set before us. And the last thing I want to speak on today and take away from the story of Joseph is perspective. So throughout Joseph's story, 
as we heard, um, it wasn't just one thing that happened and then it was done. It was numerous things over and over again that he experienced hardships in his life. And in the, I'm sure you can kind of relate. We can all kind of relate to this. It seems like as soon as things were getting good, another thing happened. Turned for the worst. It seemed like everything was going bad. And um, yeah, everything, everything seemed like it was just going bad. But what I love about Joseph's story is he didn't let that discourage him from continuing on. And personally, I don't think it has anything to do with that. I think personally that it has to do with his mindset and his perspective. And I want to kind of get a feel for the room here. How many of you are half full type of people? Like the glass half full type of people. How many of you look for the positive in everything? Okay. A couple handfuls. I'm one of the opposite of you, so just be aware. Um, I find it way easier to find the negative. And it's something that I've just come to terms with that I, that I do. But I have to always be aware because when things don't go as planned, when life takes a turn for the worst and things happen like they, don't, or happen like they shouldn't, all of a sudden I look for the negatives in all these situations. And the thing that makes our chaos, our current situation relatable to Joseph is the fact that he had no control over it. And likewise, we have no control over what's happening. We didn't choose this. We didn't plan for this all to happen. But in the midst of all this chaos, our perspective will make or break our day. Our outlook, our outlook on what's going on will control our emotions. Like I mentioned earlier, you can't just snap your fingers and feel joyful. But if we are constantly filling our minds with negativity, you are robbing yourself of your joy. For all of us, if we are constantly filling our minds with just the negatives that's going on in the world, we are robbing ourselves of the joy that the Spirit gives us. And if you are here and if you want to find joy in these hard times, it's not going to be handed to you on a silver platter. Believe me, you will have to search for it. But light always shines through the cracks. And I love, um, at the beginning of this pandemic, John Krasinski, you might know him, he did um, videos on YouTube called Some Good News. That was the title. And it was just 10 minutes of videos of just good things happening around the world. And it was exciting to see. Every week I looked forward to seeing these videos of good things still happening. And right now, that's what we need. We need to look for these reminders to replay the good things that have happened and continually be reminded of that. And if you need a push right now today, if you need a boost of encouragement, something to hold on to, some joy today, this blew me away. So last week, as some of you may know, we had baptism here, and we had seven people get baptized right here in this gym, and it was an awesome event. And earlier this year, we had 14 people get baptized as well. So 21 people gave their life, got baptized in the midst of all this. That's already amazing in itself. That is already awesome. What an achievement. What joy from that. But the thing that just blew me away, just amazed me was, um, Sunday, Sunday night, Monday morning, woke up and we received a text message that, from a parent saying, just want to let you know the event was awesome. Um, super awesome night. Just, just amazing. And my child, before they went to bed, they told me, that was the best night of my life. Mm-hmm. That was the best night of my life. And in the midst of everything going on, they were still able to experience the best night of their life. That gives me great joy. And that joy is found in Christ. The joy that we find in Christ is is like no other. And it it can be found regardless of our circumstances. And when I think about these times... It makes me, more of the, makes me more aware of the little things in life that bring us joy. The things that actually just accumulate this joy. Something that we need to keep in mind is joy is different than happiness. Happiness is circumstantial. When things are going good, when our marriage is going good, and our bank account is full, and our kids are going 
our kids are, go, are good, well, our youth are good, um, then obviously we're happy. Why wouldn't you be if everything's going well? But when all of a sudden things are crazy, you don't find uh, your job is just, there's no, no fun in that, your, your bank account is dry, and, and yeah, it's tough, your kids are crazy, the youth is crazy, all these things, yeah, it's hard to find joy. It's hard to find happiness, but happiness is different than joy. Joy, on the other hand, continues despite the circumstances. And today I want to close reading a story, and it's from this book. Um, the women from the women's Bible, so you might be familiar, of Anxious for Nothing. And it was a story that Esther read the other day, and I, felt, I thought that this was the perfect opportunity to read this. And it's, from, it's also from the book of The Hiding Place. And in pages 5, 56 and 57, um, you hear the story of how we can just be encouraged in all situations in this. And it says, In the book The Hiding Place, Corey Tenboom tells a remarkable story about gratitude. During World War II, she and her sister Betsy lived in three different concentration camps. The entire Tenboom family had been arrested for providing a safe haven to Jews and Nazi rebels. It's estimated that they saved 800 lives before being caught and sent away. Corey describes how the, bar- how the barracks in the Ra- um, Ravenberg's concentration camp in Germany was infested with fleas. The, sister was forced to, the sisters were forced to sleep on wooden platforms with straw on top, but the straw was dirty, smelly, and crawling with skin-biting pests. Corey writes, I sat up quickly and bumped my head on the platform. Fleas! I jumped to the floor. The place is crawling with fleas. I don't know how I can cope with this, this terrible place. Corey, I think God has already given us the answer. My sister Betsy said, what was that verse we read from the Bible this morning. I pulled out my Bible from the bag that I wore around my, my neck. In the dim light, I read from 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Oh, Betsy, that's too hard in this place. No, come on, Corey, let's try. What are you thankful for? My sister asked. Well, if I must... Be, if I must be in this awful place, I'm thankful we're together. That's right, Betsy, her eyes danced. And thank you, God, for the fleas. Corey goes on to say that the, fleas, the flea infestation kept the guards out of the barracks, allowing Corey and Betsy to read the Bible aloud twice a day for any woman who wanted to hear. More and more women found the light of Christ in the darkest of places because of fleas. Yes, there is a reason to be grateful in all circumstances. We can look at everything around us and think it's terrible. Or we can look and try to find the joy because our joy isn't determined by happiness. It's, it's, um, and it's not the absence of sadness. Our joy comes from Christ. It doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean we will enjoy the process. But in the midst of everything around us, our joy can be found in what is set before us. It can be sound in what Christ died for us and that we have everlasting life in him. And I don't have like a nice bow to wrap it up with, but that is encouraging to me. And I know as we leave today, we're going into a week of who knows what, but there's always things to find encouragement from, to find joy in. You will need to look for it, but God will provide in these times. He will give you joy in the midst of all this chaos because he is good. He is faithful and his promises are still true today as they were years ago. God is still good. Let's pray. God, I want to thank you for today. I want to thank you for this time together, Lord. 
just to be with you, to be still with you, to be in your presence, Lord, to know that you are good, that you are faithful, and that you give us peace in the midst of all this chaos, Lord. You give us joy in the littlest things, Lord, because they are from you. We pray right now that the Spirit would just fill us and just allow us to find joy in all of this, in all the chaos, Lord, that you'd be with us. Right now I pray for just your understanding in life, that we look to you, that we focus on you in all of this, Lord, that our attention would be given to you. Amen.